Welcome to this episode of Shoulder to Shoulder, where we strive to grow in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Pam Marvin. And I'm Megan Silas. And we're back. Yeah, so this is uh, the first episode after a holiday break. Mm-hmm. It's not quite right after the holidays, but it's as soon as we could get back into this station and to record. So we're happy right. to be here. And you want to tell me about your holidays? Well, sure. Um, I missed you, number one. Oh, I, I missed you as, too. Well, we got to do a retreat together at the beginning of right. your place. That was awesome. Was fantastic. And so I'm kind of backing up to that because that was... It was so wonderful just to be the Mary and Martha together team. Mm-hmm. We're doing a lot of both and, yeah. and just loving those women. And they seem so appreciative too, which by the way, I never sent you the pictures I took. So I have to send you. Oh yeah, you should. That's great being out there. And then I had two sets of grown children, families that were not going to be with us for Christmas. So I went before Christmas to Louisiana to see my daughter, Mary and her family. And then over New Year's, we spent it with my daughter, Lee, and her family mm-hmm. up in um, Allen. So that was really great fun. And then Christmas itself, all my local kids, we were all together. Not at the house. It was really weird. It's my first Christmas, only having one child in the house. Mm-hmm. And of course, she's, you know, 19 years old. So she slept in. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I did get everybody to go to mass together. So on my Facebook page, you'll see we all attended mass on Christmas Day. That was my Christmas gift from them. Nice. At least, yeah, it was wonderful to have them all together. And yeah. you? Well, mine was much less social in the sense that we weren't moving around and having, you know, different groups of people. It was simply my immediate family, my husband and my two kids out at the the Trace. And we spent three weeks there and it was quiet and peaceful and chill and just so calm. You know, I think... Um, you know, often the the holidays can be so hectic and, you know, you can kind of lose sight sometimes of, you know, even the reason for the season, shall we say, uh, by, you know, the hustle and bustle and just, you know, it's all good stuff that we're trying to uh, create wonderful memories and atmospheres for family and friends. Um, But because it was just our little family there, I didn't have to like be, doing a lot of extra stuff. There's a lot of free time. My family functions in a way that we are all very happy to be together, but we also don't need to be entertaining each other. So I have so much freedom to have kind of alone time, prayer time. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked about how I have the chapel out there. And so, you know, I just got to have some really good prayer time, uh, some beautiful walks, um, and just really have a peaceful holy holiday. And so I was really Mm -hmm. happy uh, to have that experience. And I felt good that in the past I have had times where because I don't have any immediate family close by, um, there's been times during the holidays where I felt a little sad, like not connected to, you know, all my friends have got, you know, extended family and a lot of hoopla and it's often really quiet. Um, at my little house. Um, so there have been times in the past where that was kind of a little almost hurtful, like a feeling like excluded or whatever. Um, but I didn't feel that at all this year. Mm. I was just completely happy to be with my little crew that God's given me and in this beauty of creation and celebrating the glory of the incarnation. So, yeah, it's just really good. It's beautiful. Yeah. I have to tell you about my raucous New Year's Eve. You ready for this? Oh, you partied hard, did oh, you? Oh, so hard, man. 
So I, I had the good fortune that I have a daughter that's like seven months pregnant. And so we started like debating, okay, when are we going to celebrate midnight? 10, 10. Clearly not at midnight, right? 9.30 night. We settled on nine o'clock. We had a little toast of champagne at 9 uh-huh. p.m. And the pregnant daughter and myself went to bed because I, when I'm with my grandkids, I, I wear myself out lovingly mm-hmm. just playing with them and sure uh, yeah we celebrated at nine and went on to bed oh good yeah. i'm glad that we both had uh beautiful holidays yeah, that different great. but you know gifts from god For sure. but i think it's it's cool that um we have a listener who's actually suggested a topic for us that I think is good to talk about after we've just spent some extended time with family um because uh, as beautiful as that togetherness can be, sometimes that togetherness also puts a spotlight on some of the issues that exist within the family unit as far as differences. And the question that she wanted us to address specifically is how do you navigate differences in interest in things that are spiritual within mainly the immediate family, but you know, family that you see very regularly And I think this is actually like a universal thing. Like even among families that both say both parents are devout, there's usually still some difference in the degree to which one of those um, spouses wants to take it or the manner in which they want to take it. So that's what we're going to, you know, really kind of dig into from sort of navigating the relationship kind of standpoint of how do we live healthy, holy, spiritual lives within families where there's a variety pack of what we're called to spiritually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. So you're going to have to frame it a little bit better too. Like you're talking, we're going to talk primarily about parents with children because that's immediate. And then of course you may have like, in my case, my sister-in-law lives in town. So I see quite a lot of her and my nephews. Mm -hmm. So we could, you know, talk about that part of it too, which it's been very interesting because my, my, uh, my nephew is, um, he really got into the trad Catholic stuff and, okay. and to the point where he and I would start, he and I would start to banter back and forth about, I'm like, no, that's not accurate. <laughs> oh, yes, it is. And what it was is he was speaking pre-Vatican II and I was speaking post-Vatican II. Mm-hmm. So that okay. kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You're getting lost in translation. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, let's start with the immediate family okay. and then we can kind of expand it out after that because, you know, that's. That's the stuff that's going to impact us most on the day to day. The you know that family that's right in the house together, that's you know trying to get to mass at least on you know Sunday together, and and how we function within that. So maybe we'll start with the spouses, okay, um, and then sure. then we can talk about how that can then <laughs> get expanded to the children because. You know, obviously, if you're having a hard time seeing eye to eye just between the two of you, then there the decision has to be made. Okay, well, how is this getting then disseminated down to the children? Mm-hmm. Right. Which, you know, the reality is, is so for those of you who don't know the uh, station, the radio station that um, produces this podcast for us is called Red Sea Catholic Radio. And what Red Sea stands for is religious education for the domestic church. So this idea that the family unit as a domestic church is the place that we start to really inculcate the faith within our children and, and who then go on to be part of the broader church. And so. Did you just use the word inculcate? 
I did. You did. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I had to give you a shot. <laughs> but my point being is that as we talk about this subject, even though we're not going to necessarily get to it on this podcast, right. it does speak to if it's a hot mess within the family, immediate nuclear family. That's really just an image of what we're seeing on a broader level, mm, right? So and so this discussion becomes then relevant, not simply to what's happening within your own home, but what's, with, what's happening within the family of the church, broader. So let's look at let's look at it from with an eye to that as a reality, and maybe we'll talk about that at another date. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so, I'll go first. I can yeah, go first if go you want ahead. to. Um, so Paul and I have been married now for 34 years, been together 38. Um, and we've been on, we started out kind of on the same even plane. He was Catholic, but not catechized. Mm-hmm. Um, I, of course, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I grew up um, in an agnostic home. So I had, so both of us had no catechesis. Um, and it wasn't until in college I had my conversion to the Catholic faith we kind of started on that even plane. Right. Mm -hmm. But over time, and I think this is kind of really kind of typical that I think a lot of times women will latch onto their face and kind of like really start to embrace it once they really get it. I mean, I feel like by nature we're more emotional and sensitive creatures. And this is, this is, yes, it's it's somewhat stereotypical, but by Mm -hmm. and large we're created a little differently like that for more sensitivities as mothers. And um, I just started not right away. It was. It wasn't until I'd say around forty that um, I just felt like there was really more that I could be doing for my faith. Mm-hmm. I still was going to mass every weekend um, and trying to raise five kids, which was a lot. But um, but over time, he's had an awakening of himself, and mm-hmm. it's interesting now to see where he is about certain things and where I am about certain things. So the thing that fascinates me the most about Paul is he has really honed into spiritual warfare. Okay. So we're talking about a little bit like this off um, before the broadcast started with Caleb, because he's really enjoys listening to the exorcist podcast and learning Mm kind of like the, the the ways of um, the evil one in, in exorcisms and such. And so my husband's the same way. And, And I think that really speaks of the protective nature of men. And I, and I totally, that's just, awesome. I love that. Right. Um, and so he's really taken that, that role of a protector through the spiritual warfare, which I think has brought him actually brought him a lot closer to the Lord Mm -hmm. because the profundity of the acknowledgement that Satan is really real, how all the more real is God. Right. Amazing. So he's got that kind of aspect going where I'm more of the sacramental, Eucharistic, Mm -hmm. you know, apostolic. I think he's very apostolic too. He's very Mm -hmm. service oriented to men's ministries. Okay. So having different interests and different ways of looking at spirituality doesn't have to be a problem if there's mutual respect for the differences and also interest, at least in some degree, to hearing the heart of the other. So I think sometimes that's where we get into the trouble, right? Where it's, it's going to be common that there's going to be different interests. But do those differences come across as simply, this is where God calls me to focus my attention. This is where God calls you to focus your attention. And that's a good thing because now we're covering more territory. Or I think one of the problems that it runs into is there's 
a danger of inferring judgment. Mm. So uh, sometimes well, break that down a little bit. More. Yeah. So what happens is like, well, I'm really into this or this is really important to me spiritually. And the other person, yeah, I'm just really not called to that or into that. Or so that person who doesn't feel into that or called to it, maybe they've, they're interiorly, they're saying, I have no interest in that or I don't feel, in, you know, like I want to engage that. And then, then, then they're assuming perhaps that the their spouse will take their disinterest as, well, you're not really that holy then or you, you don't really care mm. or the spouse who isn't getting the interest, you know, the shared interest, who's like sharing their heart about what they're interested in. And then the other person is like, yeah, that's not my thing can then feel not validated. Mm. So have you ever struggled with that of just like the differences making you misunderstand each other or come to judgments that maybe, you know, are not necessarily valid, but cause some friction. Uh, the the greatest friction I think that that I I would say that I feel is um, I have such a passion for mass. Mm-hmm. I love the Holy Mass, and I've had a long prayer for my husband and my kids to really deeply, madly fall in love with the Holy Mass, and mm-hmm. it's specifically the Eucharist. That's so cool. It's the you know Eucharistic revival, and to see no one else in my family have that same kind of passion right. for the Eucharist is hard. It's yeah. really hard. I'm like, guys, don't you get it? It's the greatest miracle in the world. Right. And yeah. that right there, <laughs> that right there, don't you get it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is where we can get into trouble because it's like, what you're really saying is I want you to have the joy that I have. That's right. I want you That's to experience the, the great gift that I have. It, well, that God gives, right? Yeah, right. In himself. And that it is available to mm-hmm. you. But so within that is like that sense of you just don't get it. Well. And how that can be experienced well, as judgment. Yes. So, uh, you know, so I, I pose it very gently like, do you believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? And to which, of course, I do. Well, how do you stay away? How do you mm-hmm. not go? Mm-hmm. See, so that's my thing. It's right. like I kind of come in from that. Like, if you believe mm-hmm. this is one of the greatest miracles in yeah. the world, how do you stay away? Like, you can say it and know it intellectually. But yeah. What makes you run to mass during the week, during the right. weekend? What What is that? So here's a question for you. If you go along that line of questioning, have you ever had your spouse come back to you and be like, don't try to be my spiritual director? Mm, similar. Okay. <laughs> it's not quite those words, uh-huh. but so how does that, like, how do you function with that? Cause you're, your that heart, friction. <laughs> yeah. That friction. Cause your heart really is, I desire a good for my spouse. I see that he's not experiencing this good. I want to, as his helpmate, which is my job, right. Yeah. And try to help draw in a direction, but then it's just not appreciated. It's like, I don't want it. Like that's the response you get. And so that can be really hard because like I said, he's over there thinking, why are you trying to like put yourself up as, you know, somebody who knows better than me and who's trying to lead me. And you're over there being like, I'm just really trying to help you receive some beautiful, great gift that God wants to give you. And I thought this was my job. It just becomes so complicated sometimes with Mm -hmm. this, like, What's our job and how do we live it? So you know? uh, that's so good you say that because this has been several years ago, probably 
um, less than 20, more than 15 years ago, mm-hmm. that before that time, Paul was not going to mass on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And I was taking all five kids to mass by myself. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard. Yeah. And I spent years just being as angry as all get outs, right? Yeah. You know, doing that by myself. Poor me. Big old self-pity party, right? now. <laughs> <laughs> these five kids mass by myself. And that had got, been going on in such incredible frustration. And then I had a moment where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is between me and your husband. Mm-hmm. All I'm asking you to do is pray. And I let it go. Mm-hmm. I absolutely let it go. And within a year, he was going to Mass every every Sunday after I let it go. So in my dynamic, the more I push for something, the more I get pushed back. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And I think it's a good point of, our desires for another person don't always have to be explicitly expressed for them to be made known. Right. You know, and it's sometimes it's in those subtleties of simply like living it, living the passions that the Lord places in our hearts for him authentically and just like, doing it like you're going to mass you're prioritizing it and you know you're sharing oh i had a beautiful mass today oh gosh it really blessed me and uh you know then always being open to invitation you know saying hey you know i would love for you to to come with me or i would love if we could talk about this more together you know and just invite and then let the invitation be enough like sometimes we don't think the invitation has value unless it's accepted. But the reality is that often it, the invitation itself, even if the person says no time and time again, our persistence mm-hmm. in loving through continuing to face rejection, but still invite in a non-threatening, non-demanding way can speak volumes over time. And so I think sometimes one of the biggest troubles that we get into is impatience. We, we want it and we want it now. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of playing kind of more the The long long game, game. (laughs) you know, cause you know, in my experience, in my situation, you know, there's a little bit more disconnect even than in your marriage because I'm Catholic. My husband's not Catholic. And so I converted uh, to Catholicism 12 years ago. And he did not want to come along with me and ha- so far has, has not made that move that made him, you know, say, has said that I have any interest in becoming Catholic. And so how I, how I live my faith in a place where I long to share that, like, you know, we've talked about it before. I think I've even said it on, on the podcast that the fantasy of kneeling beside my spouse and receiving Holy Eucharist is very compelling to me and I desire it, but I know I can't make it happen. And so what I found is, is that this place of living in the joy of my own faith, sharing it as it's open to being received. Right. So if there's like a topic that, you know, I read something and I was like, Hey, you know, I read this and it, I thought it inter- was interesting. I'd, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. You know, then maybe we'll get into a conversation. But if he shuts it down, just 
you know, it's not where he, he is. That's not what he's looking for right now. And if God gives human beings free will, how much more so should human beings be giving each other free exactly. will? Exactly. I've been thinking this thought the whole time you've yeah. been talking about that. He's so gentle. And that's not how you lead people to the Lord by pulling them with a rope, <laughs> right. so to speak. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't acknowledge the pain of a disconnect. Like, because when we really love somebody, we want to share everything with them. We want to be on the same page. And, and Jesus himself wanted that. Right. He, he wanted it with his apostles, the unity. And he wanted that between his, among his apostles. You mean he wanted to walk shoulder to shoulder with his apostles? (laughs) Exactly. And even even pray to the father, right. Mm. In John chapter 17, that they would be one, that there'd be this unity. And so when we, if we just accept that we're never going to be perfectly unified in faith in this life, that's a reality. Because in the fallen world, we're not capable of perfect unity because perfect unity requires perfect humility. Nobody has it. Nobody has it. We're not completely perfected. And so as we just acknowledge that's the reality, there are going to be places where we have disconnects and just expect it and not think it should be different. Mm. Then we can get to a place of, okay, I'm not railing against a reality that I keep thinking should be different when really it's just, it is what it is. It's reality, but also acknowledging within our hearts, I desire more and I'm going to keep seeking more, inviting more and allowing that other person to do the same with me and try to be open and unguarded with their invitations and hope that they will do the same with mine. Right, right. So do you think we're getting really at the heart of like um, in the family? I think we can take it also to that level of like um, that one person that's thought to be the more spiritual one in the group mm-hmm. is always saying the prayer. Right. You know, um, even yeah. just within the immediate family with parents and kids and say mm-hmm. we're all the same faith. But, you know, I have five children. All five of them have a very unique, I think, disposition when it comes to church and Christ. And they're all very different and unique. Mm -hmm. I have two that are very devoted to the Catholic Church. All of them believe the Catholic Church to be the one true church. But yet their levels of, you know, I want to say encounter Mm -hmm. with Christ are different. So. My brothers and sisters, pray, pray, pray that people have a deep encounter with our Lord and Savior in their heart. Because I know too many people who like, I know he's real. I know he is the son of God. I love my faith, but I've never had that encounter before. Yeah. And I think it's good sometimes to remind ourselves of the times in our lives where we didn't have it. Like I know for myself, I mean, I went through a period of time where I was agnostic, right? So I was like away from the Lord. And so it's sometimes hard for me to even remember that was a reality of who I was. Right. Like it's so, it's so much, yeah. it's so much not who I am so now. Contrary to who right. You and are, it's, right? and it's funny because sometimes like people who didn't know me during that time, like they're basically can't even conceive it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes I have to remind myself when I'm dealing with, you know, my spouse who really hasn't had that encounter or even my children who are faithful and, you know, like yours, I believe in, in the Catholic faith and, and have 
a degree of um, of a prayer life and commitment to living out the faith, it's hasn't fully germinated, right? And so it's not tested till they walk out of the house. Yeah, it really isn't. And so to be in that place of like, look, as much as I'm all in right now, there was a time when I wasn't. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that that's where it's always going to stay, you know. And that God has His own timing with each soul, and to sort of just be patient with the reality that he's at work yeah, and that nothing is ever over until the person takes their last breath. And so boy, if having adult children didn't teach you that nothing else will, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, Cause dramatic changes can happen. A dramatic change happened in my life. Mm-hmm. Like God turned me around in a 180 in, in a second. So if he can do that in my life, he can do it in anybody's life. Well, always with their free will, like, and so just to have that faith and be like, it's not my responsibility, right? To make somebody more of a holy roller, you know, or more passionate about their faith. Like, it's only my responsibility to live what I've received of the passion and the grace of loving the Lord as authentically as, you know, joyfully as possible and hope that that's a witness. Right. And I think you're you're hitting on a key point that we want to make in this episode is one of the very finest, best and tried ways to evangelize, especially within your immediate family is really with being madly and deeply in love with Jesus and his church yourself to be that real witness to it so that we're so attractive as they're saying, I want some of that. I want to yeah. be like that. Yeah. I think that's that's a high calling and it's not easy because mm-hmm. I even had one of my family members saying, well, you know, for someone who really loves Jesus and the church that much, she's not very charitable in her speech. Right. Yeah, that's exactly. That's a real thing. Right. So then, then the challenge is if you're feeling like, oh, I wish people were more in my family were more spiritual. I want them to be more virtuous, man. Right. At the end of the day, I want to virtue. Right. But that, that reality is like, oh, if you're trying to draw someone more into, you know, spirituality, but you've been given this insight that, you know, maybe you're not living the spirituality in a way that's compelling. Well, the best thing you can do is take care of what's lacking in your witness. Exactly. Instead yeah. of telling them what they should be doing us, better. Right. Right. But I do want to make the point that there are always going to be these differences where there's going to be perceived different levels of desire, also different places of interest. And it's important to remember that we don't have to rely on our family to be our only family, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's something that we really speak about a lot as far as friendship goes is that our hearts long to share what's important to us, especially about the Lord. Like that's, I think he's built that within us that when we're on fire with love for him, we want to share it. That's, that's, that's what evangelization is. It comes from falling in love with the Lord and wanting others to feel that joy so much and knowing that God wants others to feel that joy. And so that impulse to share is so strong and it is of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So, if it can't be fully lived within the spousal relationship or within your your children or 
you know, other family members, find friends that you can share it with because the Lord doesn't want us to have to bottle it up and not express it. And there's good and beautiful things that come from having that experience of sharing outside of the media. Exactly. I mean, I think I speak for you too when we say, especially because our friendship is so edifying to one another. And I have other friendships that are, are similar. We're really on the same page. We have this apostolic heart. We want to, you know, just go out to the people and it, it revives me. Mm-hmm. It, it makes me stronger for the workplace. It makes me stronger for my home because I have so many like-minded, you know, women that I can, some of them I consider quite holy. Um, and it's, it's so strengthening. Mm-hmm. And I think we should, we need to have that for the journey. Yeah. And I think one of the ways that we can help each other as spouses, when we find that we have a place of difference is to encourage each other to find people who share that interest. So, you know, say, you know, you're talking about the spiritual warfare thing. So I know you love that stuff, Pam. So do, you, yeah. you don't mind chatting about that with your husband, no. but say that wasn't something that was, that resonated with you. In fact, you really didn't like going into that area of spirituality. It just wasn't some, it, you had something within you that was kind of blocking you. If you respond to your spouse's interest and say, wow, I see the fire that God's placed in your heart in this area. I want to encourage you to explore it. And I don't think I'm the right person to do that with, but I see God's working in you through it. And I encourage you to like look around and find opportunities, you know, maybe a men's group or, you know, a friend where you could talk about that and really dig into it in a way that's going to be edifying that acknowledging the good that you see in the someone's spirituality and saying, run with that. And maybe I'm the one to run with you because we share it and that's awesome. And let's do that as a couple. But if I'm not go and and find somebody else, I encourage you like, because that's the thing we want to do. I think as spouses is to always be building each other up, encouraging each other in the ways that we see the God moving. Right. Now, sometimes we need to admonish and say, Hey, I, you know, I think maybe you're, Maybe that's taking a little down a path that's off track too far. It's taking you away from things that I think, you know, need to be attended to. You know, sometimes we have to do that. But if we see an interest and a desire and a place where someone can grow spiritually, but it's not where we're feeling called, just that generosity of spirit that says, I see the good and I encourage you to explore it, even if that means maybe a little time away from me. Mm. Um but we'll be blessed by the graces that come from engaging something that the spirit is in and working through to help us grow in relationship with the Lord. And any time person that you're in a personal relationship with grows in relationship with the Lord, it will always bless your relationship. Amen. And that can be a litmus test. Like if you're going down a path that spiritually that seems to be really problematic for the most important relationships in your life, that needs to be explored to really find what's going on. Because it may be that this really isn't where the Lord's calling you, or it may be there's a really strong resistance to things of the Lord in the person that you're in relationship with 
you need to discern, but it's important to discern because Mm -hmm. true, holy pursuits should always bless our relationships. Amen. I think it's a good place to start winding down. All right. So we didn't talk a lot about kids, but I think with the kids, example, 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 fidelity to the gospel. Amen. Joy in the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I've, you know, just noticed through the years as I was raising kids and 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 talking to other moms, I'm I'm very like emotive. I'm, that's mm-hmm. just my personality. Yeah. Um, but I even had to start saying I need to think more aloud when it comes to my love of the faith because it sometimes is always so much in me. So it came a little more naturally for me to say things like, "I can't wait to go to mass. I'm so excited. I I love to receive mm-hmm. Jesus." And for a lot of moms, while they had the same feelings because they're, they're a little more introverted, would never think to speak those words. So right, I really yeah. encourage to live your faith out loud when mm. you're a mom or yeah. and a dad too, but but to l- really live it out loud in a mm. more palpable way so that your kids see and know and hear and can feel your love of the Lord. Because I think that's the most contagious. Yeah. And I think also to be affirming when you see them make movements towards the Lord, even if they're little teeny baby steps that you feel like that's it, that's all you got. But, you know, even if it's just a little thing, like, you know, I, I sometimes I, I have said to my kids, you know, it really blesses me that you never ever try to act negative about going to mass. You never like put up a barrier or have an attitude. You're always just peaceful about coming And so maybe they're not like, oh my gosh, I'm so in love with the Eucharist and I'm so in love with the liturgy. Maybe they're not there, but the peacefulness of spirit speaks to an openness that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so to acknowledge just even the small little kernels that you see and say, that blesses me, I think is a beautiful thing. So to always look for those ways that we can affirm each other as we make our steps, no matter how small or big they may be. So an eye for affirmation, I think, is a really good place to end this conversation. Okay. So I affirm you, Pam, in the beauty of our conversation today. I'm so glad that we could talk about I this and too. share Always. our hearts. So, Always. And thank you for the listener who yeah. brought this topic up. And I hope that this has blessed you and, and, and helped you navigate these waters a little bit. And uh, we always encourage anybody who has a, an interest in a topic to discuss. Uh, we love just have yeah, go over uh, to our Facebook page, shoulder number two, shoulder, and put it in the comments there. You can do that. Or if you know us personally, just give us a text message. Absolutely. All right. Well, we thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we hope you'll remain united with us in prayer. God bless. God bless.